if I was speaking to me three, four years ago, I would just say, do it. Just go build something, create something with your hands. That's what you were made to do. You were put here to build. You were put here to create. So just go do it. Whatever it is, find a hobby. Start woodworking, blacksmithing, gardening, anything. Use your hands. Welcome to Thriving the Future podcast, where we're finding positive solutions to thrive in the tough times ahead. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week, I have Grant Payne with me from Homestead of Payne on Instagram, right? Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, so you were saying, give a little background on you. You were saying that you are in a horticulture degree. I'm in a local technical college for an associate for horticulture science. Mm -hmm. And so I started that this past semester, which I think would have been August. Before that, it's been, you know, I've been graduated since 2019. And so when I graduated, I'm like, I'm done with school. You know, I don't want to do anymore. I, I want to go live in the woods in a tent until I can build a house and then just do my own thing. That's totally And awesome. then that, and, uh, and it was, it was a great idea until that got shot down by the parents <laughs> and they said, no, you need to go get something. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, fine. So starting when I graduated high school, December, 2019, I'm done. I've had 14 years of too much school already. I already, I had a taste of college through dual enrollment. I didn't like it. And so I just kind of stayed home. Mm-hmm. And as you know, my grandmother was living with us at that time for several years. And so she continued to live with us for the next, next two. And so that January of 2020, so I started gardening that next year. In 2019, and right? In uh, 2020. I, that was my, 2020 was my first growing season. Hmm. I don't know when exactly I got the the wherewithal to start gardening but I ended up with some IBC totes and then I just decided to you know cut them in half because I started watching a lot of like self-sufficient me Mm -hmm. he he does all his beds and like birdies raised beds which are like the top of the line raised beds and they're you know one big bed is like three hundred dollars I'm like well I just graduated high school I don't have that so February 3rd, I picked up a rake and I raked about 20 square foot of just woods. I just took to the woods and I just started raking a big square. And then I cut these IBC totes in half so that I had four. And then a couple of days later, I added four more. And that was my start. Mm-hmm. And these were all, they were all kind of scattered around. But then I'd go through. I went, you know, everything I raked into a big piles. I just put in the totes, then I added sticks and logs and got them about half full. And then I went and I bought, you know, bags of dirt. And then we went up to the lake where they had to dredge out Lake Alatoona every winter. And we got that dirt. At the time, I didn't know it wasn't good dirt. It was slightly acidic, come like sandy, silty, not great soil. But I ended up using it. And then I was like, well, I need... I need more sun. So I just went and picked up an ax and cut two trees down <laughs> and then <laughs> I have sun. And then, so that first year I directly sewed everything by hand. I was like 
pull, just put two or three seeds in the ground and let them do their thing. I didn't weed. I didn't, well, not weed. I didn't uh, thin them out. So mm-hmm. there was, I think one bed had um, 18 okra in it. And these are only four feet square, like four foot, you know, surface area. Sure. And so that they were extremely crowded, but everything produced like they didn't know they were crowded. Right. You're and in Georgia, so, right? I'm in Georgia. I think it's zone like seven B uh, North Northwest Georgia, Bartow County. I love it. It's like the perfect zone. We have an actual winter to kill things off to know, you know, we kind of know our seasons. I do I do enjoy that. So how'd and you so, choose what to grow? I just went with your basics. I went with, tomato and I started with all heirlooms I didn't really care to get any seeds from the burpees packets at the store sure. so I went to South Georgia Seed Company there I found I don't know how I found them but they're a company I think I found them on Craigslist actually but they're a company up in LJ which is about an hour and a half north of me I've got to, I've got to get these seeds so I ordered about a bunch of them and then I planted them and every single seed I planted grew it germinated and grew it was crazy. So they are the only place I buy seeds from. If I'm giving seeds, if I trade for seeds, cool. But I only buy seeds from them because they only sell heirlooms. They don't sit and it's, I love them. And you mentioned why the other night, because yes, seeds, seeds have memory of memory. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I ended up that growing season ended for me that September. Um, I just, they did everything just kind of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. And then that October, we kind of got some leftover material from my dad's job and we built a chicken tractor. It's not really a chicken tractor, but a mobile chicken coop. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we built that. The next thing, I guess, is just the next growing season, which started, which for me started in April. Um, I didn't sow my seeds until, until the 1st of April. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, usually supposed to plant them eight weeks before you go that they're on the ground. Right. I, was, I procrastinated so long. I'm just like, well, I'll just start them now. <laughs> so I started them around April 1st and I got them in the ground on the 26th. Yeah. It, I'm looking it, at your pictures. I'm going to have to, if it's okay, I'll include no, yeah, you can them share, on the show. You can share any right? pictures that you want. Because okay. um, I think the thing I sent you is labeled by the date and that's actually what i'm scrolling through now looking at this yeah it's real impressive did you say you're up to like 70 raised yeah right now i think i'm up to 78 um that's total in my main garden section that you see here where i started with eight and then the next season i had i had 12 and then the season this season i started with 34 (laughs) and i see you've got a uh tunnel raised beds and then it has those cattle panels that form the tunnel that was this year's kind of big addition other than just more space i started to get more inventive i need to go up i need trellis with my cucumbers yep or melon melons anything that vines mm-hmm. and so i'm like well, let's get cattle panels and then we got it and though it worked wonderfully and so what i'm gonna do is with this is when we move we're gonna be we're gonna take the totes and everything we're gonna you know, load them onto a big trailer and we're going to haul them to the new, the new place, but I'm going to put them in a line um, all the way down. So I may have 30 beds on one side and then 30 beds on the other side going all the way down in a straight row. Wow. And then I'm going to get cattle panels and then I'm going to take those cattle panels and I'm going to do what I do here. 
But instead of having it just be covering one, I'm going to get take two cattle panels and link them together up top mm-hmm. and then go down with another cattle panel and then grow on either on the ground or in a raised bed. So then I would basically have three beds in a tunnel. Mm-hmm. And so I can use the middle for things like beans and cucumbers and things that vine. And then I can use the, the, the cattle panel to tie down to, so tomatoes can trails up. Mm-hmm. And then, so I can do that starting in earlier in the spring, like early, you know, February and January, I can maybe go ahead and start planting in that if I cover it with plastic and make a, a hot house. Sure. And then I can do the same thing going into the winter and then I can just uncover it during the summer. Mm-hmm. And so I've, that's, that's what I want to do with those uh, when, if, when I get them rearranged. Yeah. Did you put cover crop in there for the wintertime? It looks almost like that grass cover crop. Yes. One year I did that. That was, that was this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was, <laughs> it was a great learning experience. It was, yeah. did not turn out how I expected it to at all. I just went and got some winter rye at the farm supply store mm-hmm. and I just sprinkled winter rye over all the tops of my raised beds inside the hoop inside like it's just like it's just an amazon greenhouse 26 mm-hmm. feet long i did like a lasagna style bed in there um wow and so i put grass in all of it and it was be- i basically made a sod farm honestly it was beautiful and then i realized this is a perennial bra not a not an annual bra <laughs> so i had to hand dig up all of the grass in the raised beds and then i used it to fill up totes i just would throw it on top of the totes before i put more put more dirt in uh-huh i, I think it that shows some of the pictures where there's grass and then empty totes next to it and then i would just throw the, the chunks of grass into those totes and then cover them up just use them as filler mm-hmm. and then i'd go back and then i would refill those totes with with new fresh dirt wow and you let the chickens run around in the grass area right i did and that also did not work out well because all they did was pack it down Huh. And it just got moldy. If I had gotten them in there when it was shorter, uh-huh. or maybe even just cut the grass, it might have worked better. That's a lot of food to be growing with 70 raised bed. What do you do with all that food? There's kind of a barrier, and that barrier is trees. Mm-hmm. So I have in my main section, I have 34 beds, but I only get three hours of sun. I'm kind of taking a hit, I feel, when it comes to produce. That and just, you know, sometimes just the mismanagement as things happen in the garden. But this year I was able to produce 130 pounds of cucumbers. Wow. Out of a 25 to 30 plants, which is high end average production yield for cucumber per mm-hmm. plant. Sure. So I'm, I'm honestly, I'm puzzled. I'm, I'm really, really puzzled when it comes to that because they say you need six to eight hours of sun and I get three. Um, but I've always, I've always had a a green hand. It's not just a green thumb. It's just a green hand. And that's why I feel my parents pushed me to go back to school. Honestly was the best thing that I could have done because I have fallen in love with the field. Like today I took my Woody identification final Mm -hmm. and we were given a hundred trees, uh, Woody thing, shrubs and decorative stuff like that. But for the final, we had 50, and he, he went and took cuttings of all 50, lined them up in the classroom, and we had to walk through 
and identify all of them. Really? With the, from cuttings and leaves or? Just from just cuttings, cuttings and leaves. Wow. Yeah. I got every single one of them right. Huh. And I only missed one, but it was a Arbivita, which is a, a type of evergreen. Uh-huh. And it it almost looked like a, it was kind of, kind of very sprawled out and it looked like a, a cypress. Wow. That's amazing. There's and not too was, many people who could do that. Yeah. I mean, there was only two other people in my class that did that. The guy on 100. And honestly, I loved it. I was the only person excited. I wanted to go through and do all 100 trees, but I was the only person in class that wanted to do that. So it, of course, didn't happen. Hmm. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, so you, you asked what we do with all the produce. So with, with the pickles, um, my great grandmother has a sweet pickle recipe. Sure. It's not bread and butter pickles. It's just sweet pickles. Mm-hmm. It takes about three weeks to make them. And then once the process is done, they'll, you have to let them sit for four to six months before they're good to eat. But I made 12 gallons of sweet pickles. Wow. And each gallon, it was about seven pounds of cucumbers. Wow. So what to make something that it takes several weeks to get right. I mean, what, what method are you using fermentation or. Uh, no, it, you basically give them a salt bath uh-huh. and then you wash that off. Okay. And then for, and you let, you let it sit for a certain amount of time and then you take it and then give it another bath with something else. And then to help with the crispness and then you take that out and then you add a bunch of sugar over the, uh, a week and then you just let them sit. Wow. And then you have the little bag of spices that you mix together and blend right. And they're great. I love, they go in any type of salad, like chicken salad, any type of salad that, that is based with a meat, egg salad or tuna salad, chicken salad, any of that, it is the best thing you could add. Right. They're, I wouldn't eat them straight because it's basically candy. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 a great thing to just add when you're making food. But then we add them to our deviled eggs, our potato salad. I love them. Do you take your stuff to the farmer's market too? No. So I never felt, I haven't felt like I've had enough production to take to the farmer's market. Because I only have, I only have 30, uh, I only had 34 raised beds. Mm-hmm. They weren't all being used com- like completely, I should say. I didn't attend to them as much. And with the, the lack of sun, the tomatoes didn't really thrive. I got a fair amount, enough for me to eat and to give away, to share and to have enough that's full. Right. But I don't think I ever had enough to market. Um, next next spring, I'm looking, I was going to look at trying to get into some to sell plants because I've been going and wholesale buying um, plants from Lowe's. Mm-hmm. And I got 26 hibiscus trees, like yours, like not the, not, not like a Rosa Sharon, but just like a regular hibiscus with like big pink flowers. I got 26 of those for $1.42 each. Wow. Um, instead of $26. Hmm. And then I got 50 blackberry bushes for a dollar a piece instead of 14. So I just was go in like see what they've got clearance is like uh, I'll take all of them give me your best price and then I tell them what I would pay for it and then sometimes they do it sometimes they wouldn't this morning before my final I actually stopped at a tractor supply and went to their half off um, bulb section 
like mm-hmm. they had um, just their like their daffodils. You got tulips, irises, um, stuff like that. Sure. And um, that's like if I want all of these, like the <laughs> whole thing, the whole the display, everything. Uh, I told them what I'd want to pay for this, and then I told them what I want to pay for those. And like I got bags of daffodil bulbs. There's like thirty in each bag. I got them for five dollars a bag. Wow. And then I got. Um, there were these other bags. It was more variety, but they were $8 a bag. I got them for two. You just laid it on the line and said, Hey, I want all yeah. of these and I'll pay this <laughs> pretty much. And the wor- only thing they can say is no. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm kind of sad, but like, I don't care. <laughs> I probably didn't need to buy them in the first place. Sure. Um, but I bought them in hope of planting them about five bulbs per pot and then selling them in the spring at maybe farmer's markets or through Facebook, mm-hmm. word of mouth. And right. if I don't sell them, I just have a bunch of pretty flowers. Mm. And it's for me, it's just like it's a learning experience because you you have the act of planting the bulbs, taking care of the bulbs, bringing them to size. Then you have to go market them. And so you learn through that experience. My parents probably don't like me doing it, spending my money on things that are kind of technically frivolous that may or may not pay out hey six bucks for 26 trees <laughs> yeah <No>. i mean <laughs> there's nothing to worry about there so yeah and so like with the um the hibiscus they'll die back to the ground every year mm-hmm. but they are fit for our climate so they'll just grow back from the ground up sure. and you know they're pretty i'm sure i'm sure i could eventually sell all of those I bought a bunch of, you know, junipers, um, like ground cover junipers. Like, right. Um, I think there were some big pots. They were like three or four gallon pots. Um, they were like, they were $75. And I told them I'd take them for 10. Wow. And so I got two Buffalo junipers, four Mugo pines and four, uh, five ice tip junipers. Mm-hmm. Junipers, if reached maturity, sometimes produce berries and you can pick those berries and use those in tinctures or how we pronounce that for medicinal uses or in cooking. Those aren't complete useless features in a plant. Yeah. They sell those over at uh, natural grocers, you know, the dried juniper berries. I got 15 birds of paradise, like little Mm -hmm. birds of paradise. They were busting out of their pots. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, I got those for a dollar a piece. And I could, they were so root bound and have such new growth coming up. I could cut them in quarters, then repot them and probably sell them for $10 a piece. Yeah. So that's 15 times four times 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the tips we have around here is that we actually have the capability to do two seasons. If you plant in March, then you can get another season started in July, but all of the hardware stores and the seed stores and everything else toss their their displays usually mm-hmm. in right after fourth of july and you could talk to some of them and you know the ones that are going to toss it instead of send it back then they uh you can get it either for real cheap or they'll just give it to you because they're going to toss it mm-hmm. and last year um one of the my my friend's mom she did that and then she just brought a b- boxes of seeds to our seed swap in the spring and it was just she just laid them all out we were in heaven so it was funny and like you said some of the sometimes that doesn't work right because the store has an agreement with a company and they'll send back what they don't use 
but I think most of them toss them. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, but, but some stores don't own them. Mm-hmm. I know Lowe's, I was going to do this at Lowe's, but they don't actually own the product. So right. when they were done, they would end up having to ship them back to whoever they got them from. Wow. Okay. And so kind of stupid. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. I just think when it comes to the big box stores, you know, try to pay as little as possible because like Lowe's, all of their plants, come mostly all of their plants come from Costa Farms in Florida. It sure. is an enormous operation. Mm-hmm. incredibly large and you know they're just gonna throw them away so if it's on if you there's something on clearance you see so here this is where i started i went one day after class this was my first woody id id test and i got it i got a 100 i got all 10 right it's like you know what? i'm gonna go to lowe's <laughs> you know that's my treat right. i'm gonna go to lowe's and so i get there um then I walked to the back. I walked to the clearance section and they had 53 blueberry bushes. I'm like, hmm, hmm. these are usually $14. Uh, their, cl- their clearance would make them $7. I don't need these, but on my way out the door, I'm going to ask if they'll take them for $3 a piece. <laughs> and so I walk out the next time. I look at the cashier and said, if I wanted to buy all of your blueberry bushes, all 53 of them, could I take it for three for three dollars? And she called over. Um, I think it was actually the store owner who happened to be there, which is you know lovely, right? <laughs> uh, he's a grumpy old man, and uh, he looked at right. me and he's just like, "I told him what I wanted," and he said he'll do it for four. Um, I said three. He said hmm. I can't do that, and I was like. He said three seventy five, and I said three fifty. He says I really can't go lower than that, and uh, I said okay, I don't. Then I don't want them. And then he, he just and I said so I said Are you sure you don't want to do them for three fifty? And he said All right, fine, take them. And so I went and loaded all fifty three of them up. <laughs> I, I stacked them three high in my car. It was a pyramid. I packed the whole back of my SUV, a two thousand one Toyota Sequoia slap full of blueberry bushes and and then i came home and i put them in i just put them in a tote um i put 24 in each tote just because it's just where i'm going to store them i would go ahead and let them establish more roots maybe as if their roots will go down let them go down if they'll go out just go out and most so, of them are root bound right oh extremely root bound i didn't even like cut at the roots and unroot bind them i just Took them up, stuck them in the tote, filled it in with dirt. If some die, some die. That's fine. Um, the average will still be less than what I would have gotten them for on clearance uh, or even full price. And so whenever we get to, you know, our final destination, which we're we're slowly moving towards, I can un- I can dig them all up and then I could just throw down. I can get an yeah. auger and do 56 holes and then just throw them down. Mm-hmm. And same thing with if I if I keep the blackberries and don't sell those, an instant orchard or whatever you call blueberries. Food forest. Yeah. Yeah. Um what's your what's your end goal? You're moving to some new land? Yes, it's my great grandmother's house. From mm-hmm. what I have found, 
um, through county records, it's, it's 175 years old. Wow. Um, and my grandmother bought it 60 years ago. And mm-hmm. her, and she was a re, an original homesteader. You know, they didn't have a toilet inside. They went to an outhouse. She had seven beehives, had cows, butchered pigs. They did they did all their own stuff because that's what you did then. And sure. we've come so far away from that that it's time to get back to that. If you see what's coming down the pipeline, right. we're gonna need that again. Mm-hmm. And so getting back to her place, you know. It would be 15 acres and those 15 acres, but up to my grandmother's 10 acres. And then across the street it is 17 more of my grandmother's acres of my grandmother's land. Wow. And that's a lot of acreage that's not being used by anything other than Chinese privet, Bradford pears and sweet gums. Yeah. And, and, and all of those are invasive, nasty yeah. things. Well, I think if I'm not mistaken, sweet gums are native, but they're just really undesirable wisteria there's there's about two acres of that that is just straight chinese wisteria it is so thick take out you know everybody has a drunk drawer with you know old chargers and cables and cords in it take that dump it on the ground that's what the forest floor looks like Hmm. it's a carpet of wisteria the vines are just growing over each other in like a woven blanket how do you and get rid of all that? Goats. Uh, um, I'm going to okay. use goats and sheep um, wow. and pigs. So I'm going to uh-huh. use forest, forest pigs, of course, goats and sheep to eat the foliage in the spring. Um, eventually, it will, ju- it, will ju- it will just have to run out of energy because I don't I don't intend to use pesticides on anything. I just. It can be used as food for the for the animals, and then over time, it will just die away as as i start to cut more trees down clear out more land it'll the it'll because some trees are just covered in it and as those trees come down they'll lose a lot of vine it'll lose a lot of what produces its energy so they should just fade out over time Mm -hmm. and yeah and that's just my grandmother's 17 it has nothing to do with the 15 that we're getting from my group from my would be getting that was my grandma, my great grandmother's, and wow. all of those pastures have been overgrazed by horses, mm-hmm. um, extremely you know tilled under and tilled over. Only thing that grows on it now is weeds, mm-hmm. so that would have to be rehabilitated. Um, sure. And one of the ways I've been thinking about doing that is bringing in wood chips and just tilling like all the pasture. And then see if I can get enough wood chips brought in to leave like three inches of mulch all the way across all of it. And right. then over the next year, let it break down and then come that spring, till it under again. And then so just so a cover, a good cover crop and leave it all year, let it go to seed and then mulch it down again and then just start to build that soil back up. Mm hmm. Wow, that's pretty great. So you are really focused for uh, a college guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess. So what kind of advice would you have for other guys your age to get started? If I was speaking to me three, four years ago, I would just say, do it. Just go build something, create something with your hands. That's what you were made to do. 
you are put here to build, you are put here to create. So just go do it. Whatever it is, find a hobby, start woodworking, blacksmithing, gardening, anything. Use your hands. Whether it's building a Lego kit, sewing a bunch of seeds, carving wood, car- just carving a, carving a walking stick, anything. Just mm-hmm. build something, do something, create something. And then that will domino into a passion you love. And then just go into it all the way. Just if you find it and it's your passion, go for it all the way. Ignore everyone and just go for it. Because what's the worst thing you can happen? You fail. All right. Well, you're 20. You spend the next 10 years failing. That's fine. You're 30. You start over. Do something else. You know, we, we, t- we tend to forget how much time there actually is. You know, right. if you don't make yourself when you're 20, you can make yourself when you're 30. If you can't make yourself when you're 30, 40, or 50, you can make yourself when you're 60. You can reinvent yourself so many times. Just don't give up. And that's the key is things are changing so much. Reinvent yourself. Just go and do it. Exactly. You just, you just have to start, you know, and procrastination is a big, is a big problem now. I don't know if that has something to do with phones or or how short our attention spans have become with just the constant bombardment of entertainment and phone screen and everything that we just get so distracted that we're like, Oh, I'll sit here and watch YouTube video, YouTube shorts or TikToks or Instagram live for an hour instead of going and doing something, go get in a gym. You can do something for an hour in a gym instead of on your phone, go lay on the ground in the sun for an hour instead of be on your phone. Read a book for an hour instead of being on your phone. Do something other than getting sucked into an algorithm. What's your uh, what's your favorite book that you've been reading here recently? So the last book that I finished, My Side of the Mountain. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a movie, and, and I oh, watched yeah. that movie several times. And then I realized it was a book. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh, he wrote two more. So mm-hmm. I got the complete trilogy and I would recommend it to anybody, any, any young man who has the desire to go out and do something, go read that book. It may seem trivial, but it's about a young kid. I don't know how old he is, maybe 12. He goes out to the Catskill mountains, finds a gigantic old dead tree, builds a house in it, you know, but trains a falcon, befriends a raccoon and just lives. And it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and he, he didn't write the two extra parts of the story until after his mother died, because hmm. he said his mother always told him that sequels were a waste of time. Hmm. <laughs> um, and so he figured, you know, a lot of people kept, you know, reaching out to him. like, well, what happened? Where does the story go? And his mother had passed and he's like, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to write some more. I'm going to write more. And he did. And it's just as good as the first part. Wow. Yeah, I read that and reread it and reread it when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, have you read like all three parts? I don't think I've read the second or the third part. Yeah, there, if I have, I don't remember yeah. um, how those go, but I reread the, I I constantly check the first book out of the library to the point where I might as well have just owned it. <laughs> yeah. Um, with me, when I read it, so like I first started reading, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is TV in my head. What, what <laughs> is this? What is this? 
And, you know, because last time I really read anything through thoroughly, I was in like fifth grade. And then so I finished my side of the mountain, which was, I think, by far the most impactful thing that kind of pushed me along because it goes into detail in the book about what he ate what, or what you would eat if you go and live in the Catskill Mountains. Things with roots. Okay, well, what has roots? Oh, your perennials in the mm-hmm. Allen family, stuff like that. I'm like, okay, let me go outside. He shows pictures of them. Yeah. He shows pictures of he them. He does. He does. Of them. And so I'm like, well, let me go outside. What, what can I eat outside? And there's a lot of things you can eat outside. Um, none of it's better than eating meat, but it's it's there. They can be eaten if need to. So I started collecting bulbs. A lot of it was in is in the alum family, but it's all edible and it produces a flower. So you can use it as decoration, but if you ever need to, you can eat its foliage or you can dig it up and eat its roots, eat the tubers, eat the bulbs, stuff like that, like canna lilies. I went and a lady was trying to get rid of some cannas that were just kept coming back in her yard. I was like, well, yeah, I'll come get them. So I ended up leaving with two trash bags full of canna lily uh, tubers or rhizomes. And I went home and planted them. And they go, because you can eat, you can eat cannas. You can eat the rhizome, you can eat the foliage, and I think you can eat the flower. I don't Mm -hmm. know how you prep them, but I know they can be eaten. And um, that's awesome. And then one thing about cannas is that I learned recently that you could do with them that to me was utter genius um, is when they grow and the season's over and they're ready to be cut down, cut them down and then take them somewhere else and use them as mulch. You know, I didn't even I didn't even think about doing that because they produce a lot of foliage, a, a whole lot of foliage. So you can use those as a renewable mulch source. So you're starting to do some things with some other trees like uh, chestnuts. You went and foraged some chestnuts. Yeah. So at campus, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Campus, that's my, we have uh, this huge chestnut, this Chinese, it's, it's a Chinese chestnut, you know, it's not, right. it's not an American chestnut. It's not an American hybrid. You know, I don't really know where I'd get a whole bunch of seeds, but for me, I'm just like, well, they're there. Why not go pick them up? Yeah. <laughs> so I got a five gallon bucket and I just filled it full. It's been sitting in the mm-hmm. garage for a couple months. I was like, I'm yeah. not doing anything. Let's go, let's go, let's go crack these babies open and see how many chestnuts I had. So I had I had 54. So I got an old peanut butter jar and I put put sand in it. I put chestnuts in it, put sand, layered chestnut, layer sand, layer chestnut, yep. and I put and then I watered it in. Put the lid back on, and then I just buried it in one of my garden beds. Yeah. And so I'm going to check on I don't know when I should check on it, but I'm going to eventually check on it again. I check them in April. So, che- so Okay. So I'll check them all in April, and then if they sprout, they sprout. If they don't, they don't. You can bet your bottom dollar I will be back at that chestnut tree yep. next year getting those chestnuts again. But this time, I'm going to get all of them instead of just a bucket full. I'm going to get sure. all of them because people – are going to continuously want to try to grow their own food. I say right. try because most people aren't going to be able to. Yeah. Um, they're going to think, oh, this is a good idea. They're going to get it, plant it, and not follow through. Mm-hmm. And so from a, I can capitalize on that by selling them their, those trees. Sure. And it's also a huge retirement plan. Chestnuts, pecans, pistachios, all uh, almonds, all those trees do well in Georgia. So, Even almonds? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Georgia has a, a significantly large almond industry. 
which you okay. wouldn't have thought, but they do. Usually those are zone nine. So yeah, uh, it's it would be South Georgia, but yeah. So some of them are some some can probably make it in zone seven. Yeah, and but so yeah. I figured, well, it's a free tree. If it's a free mm-hmm. tree, it's a free dollar. Right. And so I figured, why not? And if I don't yeah, sell the tree, I can plant the tree. If it, that tree has blight, okay, I'll cut it down and hope the rest of them don't get it. It's really, it's easy. And and for mm-hmm. me, I have a hard time not doing that. I have a hard time not going for that easy fruit. Like the stuff I'm getting at clearance, I'm like, that's easy. I, ha- it, I now have it. It's there. Now I just have to go move it. I have to go market it. I've got to go sell it and push it. Chicken eggs. Toss them in an incubator. Check on them in three weeks. You've got chickens. I just throw all the roosters out in the goat's pen. So they're now adding, you know, diversity to the, you know, the parasite load, the bacteria load. So that will help confuse parasites and bacteria with more than one animal being on pasture. For me, what I want to do is coppicing is an old way to basically cut a tree and then every year you would cut the new straight limbs off that tree. But for mm-hmm. me, I'm going to use it, just, you know, take it and put my own kind of thought to it. Just what if I just cut, cut this tree off waist high and then leave it and every, and it'll grow out new foliage. And so yep. work that into my pasture rotation with my goats and cows and sheep. And they're getting that they're getting more minerals, more nutrients from the tree roots that are pulling it up from deep within the earth. And yeah, that's pollarding. So coppicing is cutting it to the ground. Pollarding is cutting it. If you cut it at some point, like waist high or neck high, uh-huh. there's some hazelnut forests, you know, over in Europe, and they they're hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, and they've either they've either pollarded them or coppice them and then they run the hogs through there and yeah and then the hogs get this really deep dark meat that is just super full of like because they that's a straight diet of just nuts yeah sure and then it's like it's like super expensive meat and then like with the chestnuts i'm growing like you said with that if i don't harvest them the pigs can eat them the pigs can forage um because i have two ossabow which are a heritage breed from an island off the coast of Georgia that the, that the Spanish brought over in like 1527 and just let go. Wow. And so they're, they're a naturalized breed of pig that I mean, I got two of, wow. I know somebody who has more, so we could, you know, swap boars and kind of keep mm-hmm. our diversity going. Sure. And then use those, use those as market pigs, cross them with a more, a more meat production pig because these are kind of slow growing foraging pigs. But if say you cross those with the Berkshire, Berkshire, well, you have a more, a more market, you know, ready producible pig. Wow. You're getting stuff done. I'm getting it done in my mind. The, the, <laughs> the second, the second I hit the ground, I'm going to hit it running. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to start with 300 foot uh, tunnels and then just hit the ground running. when those trees are cleared, so the totes I have, I have 70, 78 of them, you know, with, with plants in them. I have 40 totes uncut. So that's about 80 more raised beds that I can throw down when I have more space. 
talk a little bit about the moonflowers. You were talking about that the other night, and it was just uh, oh, they're that was amazing. they're a beautiful flower. Um, they're it's a tropical morning glory in zone yep. I think eleven to twelve. I forget where they're from, but my grandmother had some seeds, and then she says, "Well, they only bloom at night." And I'm like, "What? A flower that only blooms at night? I've got to see this." So I drove up to her house. She's about thirty minutes away. And that's where, you know, where we're hopefully going to be moving to. Sure. And uh, so I just went and I watched. I watched the flowers bloom. We looked at them, smelled them. They smell wonderful. They're just wonderful. And um, yeah. it's like just think of the smell clean, and that's what those flowers smell like. It's very pure. It was just amazing, and the idea that a a flower would bloom only at night. And then smell that clean is just unique. It really is. And it, it attracts a lot of pollinators. Um, yeah. Honeybees are, aren't honeybees not originally native to the U S no, and, they're European. Yeah. Um, so all of those, uh, all of those pollinators that we fall back on. Yeah. And, and, and that's and things like that. And that's okay. Things happen. You've got to change, but the, the honeybees have been domesticated for a long time. And sure, sure. for us, it's just it's a it's a tool now you know it's it's you know there's it's a hive but it gives you something they're alive but it's use it as a tool so like for like we have my great grandmother's seven hives so i need i'm going to sand those down refurbish them slap on a new coat of paint and then eventually get hives because if i'm going to be running a production market garden for vet, both vegetables and flowers and personal use and trees right and trees yeah. i'm going to need a lot of pollination so i figured i could have my own hives and then maybe potentially rent the hives to others it's just and then there's so many things i'm gonna do if i'm gonna have maybe two dozen full-time jobs and it's gonna be great you know this week i'm gonna be a beekeeper 40 hour work days this week um i'm picking flowers 40 hours a, a week and this week oh i'm butchering i'm butchering out 12 hogs all week you know next week it's chicken next week mm-hmm. i'm making butter next week i'm making soap and right. all of those things they're commodities that you that's don't not only is worth something to somebody else but it it's a store of time it's a store of effort so you take yeah. your time and your work. energy and you put it in this product, giving it more value, more worth yeah. than it originally had if you would have got it at Ingalls or Walmart. Mm-hmm. And then if you can't sell it, keep it, eat it, use it, give it away, make friends, family happy by giving them those gifts. You know, if you have an abundance, say you can't sell it all, you can't use it all. If blessed with abundance, share it. Thank you for listening to the Thrive in the Future podcast. If you like what you hear, click that subscribe or follow button in your favorite podcast app. Check us out at thriveinthefuture.com and also follow us on social media at thriveinthefuture on Twitter and at thriveinthefuture on Instagram. And come and join our Telegram community by going to signup.thrivingthefuture.com. There's entry form there. It will send you an email with the Telegram community link. Next time on Thrive in the Future podcast. Next time on Thrive in the Future podcast, 
holiday story. So if you found value in our content, then show that value for value. There's a new tab on the website, value for value. Go and shoot Thrive in the Future, a gift on that tab in either Venmo or Cash App. You make a difference. Thank you. Join us at the Homestead Journal in living out the classic homesteading ethos on the path towards a simple life that speaks to the heart of humanity. We're an online community embodying and helping our members develop an indestructible homesteading mindset. Become someone who adds walk to the talk and applies proven old world protocols in a modern context. Find us at thehomesteadjournal.net and follow us at thj.net on Twitter.